From Sandwich Community TV, I'm Manx Techie Magyar, and this is Blindside. The entire audio interviews that I've cut to make my short form video documentaries. In winter of 2019, I interviewed another Sandwich High School alumni, Dan Smith, about his popcorn company that he started. Dan quit his life of architecture in the Boston area to pursue this family-run business. And I'm sure he has a lot to talk about it. So listen on and hear what he has to say. So, yeah, I don't know where's a good place to start. Maybe if you want to kind of talk about your background with just making the popcorn before even starting this business. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so my family used to vacation down Ocean City, Maryland. Um, they have a whole boardwalk scene. And caramel popcorn is a big part of part of what they have down there. Um, so it used to be just kind of a, a family staple to have a tin of popcorn around, um, whether we're playing cards on the back deck or just um, just kind of hanging out watching a movie. Um, so my wife and I started making it um, in the off season about three years ago, um, around the winter time. And it was great for Christmas. Um, any parties, engagement parties, housewarming parties, things like that. Um, so we brought it to, we started making it, we brought it to the parties and um, people started to really like it. Um, so we said, oh, maybe this is sort of a thing. Um, I don't know where to go from here, but. Can you talk about that process when you're saying how like you, you start, like kind of I guess the scaling of it where you kind of, yep. you know. So yeah, so we started um, about three years ago. Um, we started in our one bedroom apartment up in Boston and we were making everything pretty much one gallon at, the, at a time on my stovetop. Um, started with our sea salt caramel flavor. Uh, took us about all of those three years to kind of perfect it and uh, make it what it is today. Um, uh, where was I going with that? Um, Did you just start with like getting ingredients from like the grocery store and just kind of doing it that way? Yeah, so we were just, um, pretty much walk to stop and shop because we didn't have a car up in Boston. Uh, walk to stop and shop, basically load up on a lot of sugar and um, seed and different spices and things like that, butter. Um, we'd come home, we'd make it. If it was any good, we would, we would bring it to different parties and things like that and let people try it. Um, turned out people really liked it, so... Um, we said, okay, I guess this is sort of a thing. And um, how did it kind of hmm. escalate from there? From like the doing it, just kind of bringing it to parties, making it at your apartment in Boston. Yeah. So from there, um, you know, people from the parties would ask us to actually order some, um, which we didn't think would ever happen, because um, it was really just a hobby. It was something fun we could kind of do on on a weekend. Um, so people started asking us to order some for, uh, we did a lot of bridal showers and baby showers and um, events, small little events like that. And then those kind of escalated from people having it at those parties, sort of escalated into weddings and corporate gifts and things like that. Um, so we started out just doing a lot of events really. And um, yeah, it's, it started to just snowball into a spot where it was kind of hard to ignore how much of a following it was getting. Um, so it kind of put me at a crossroads whether, you know, to stay with what I was doing or kind of go and chase this 
other business idea that was kind of happening. And can you talk about what you were doing before the popcorn thing? Like yeah, so I, um, I was an architect up in Boston. Um, I was at a big firm um, right in downtown Boston. Um, and yeah, so I went to school for architecture. I went to school for five years. I have a master's of architecture degree. Um, don't quite use that today. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I, I kind of got put in a crossroads of whether I should stay pursuing an architecture career um, or kind of tackle this business. And then was there, I know there's like many factors involved in that change of decision, but can you kind of, I don't know, loop in how like your brother kind of made that and how you guys communicated for a while? Yeah, so we, hang on. oh, okay. Um, so back in um, 2016, I, I'd rather not like, put my brother too much into it but okay yeah I'll say, also fine too if it's kind of no but I'll I'll say he kind of like you know pushed into like the idea um so yeah back in like 2016 my brother had a, a Christmas party um where we brought it my wife and I brought um our caramel flavors a couple of our cookies and cream our mint cookie flavor um a bunch of different flavors to the party and people really liked it and it was the first time my brother actually tried it. Um, so anyway, uh, people really liked it. Fast forward to um, a couple weeks later, I was sitting at my job, um, and I probably don't need to go into like the whole like guy forgetting my name, but um, so I was sitting at my job and um, sitting in my at my desk in Boston. Um, and I got a call from my brother and said, I can't really stop thinking about this popcorn. Um, he said, you should probably maybe give it a try and start a business from it. Um, and at the time I was kind of thinking of it as, you know, uh, just an online business really, if it was gonna be anything. Um, and he was the one that kind of really said, well, you should start looking into um, maybe doing it on Cape Cod and, and going back to the Cape and, um, starting it there because it'd be perfect for the Cape, so. And because uh, you said you kind of always went to places in Jersey and wherever, but Cape has never like had that. And was that like a, almost a, like a Eureka light bulb moment? I feel like with entrepreneurs, they're like, oh man, this is like yeah. a huge gap. Yeah, a little bit. So, um, well, you know, we've used to vacation in Ocean City, Maryland, so we knew the scene down there. Um, but uh, New Jersey has their own scene. Um, gourmet popcorn or kind of just boardwalk popcorn. Um, you know, Fort Lauderdale, Myrtle Beach, the, a lot of touristy areas have um, these regional popcorn shops that, that do really well over there. Um, and the Cape has never really had anything like this. A lot of different touristy areas have, um, you know, fun food that people, people will gravitate towards. And, the Cape has ice cream for sure, um, but nothing really other than that. So that was kind of a little bit of a light bulb moment as, yeah, this, the, the Cape should have something like this. Um, and why not have it be us? So, yeah, that was kind of it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there's so much ice cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's really not many other like. Yeah. Especially, it's kind of funny because you sit bring it to the beach, bring it around. You can't like really bring ice cream. Yeah, it's it's much more. Um, it's portable. Yeah. It's it. You can travel with it. Um, I was just ta talking to Kim about this, where it's like ice cream has. It's funny how like different foods have, have their like times and spots where you are supposed to have them and that's what people do. So like donut shops, they're like, like starting to become kind of like a hipstery new age, like crafty donut shops um, and are becoming really, really popular. And what I think donut shops kind of take advantage of in a good way is that people wake up in the morning and they're like, I'll just go you know, grab donuts for whoever we're on vacation with or something like that. It's an easy thing to go out and get and bring back and you're kind of the king of the morning um, for that time. At the same time, ice cream has a time where it's like, it's after dinner, let's go get ice cream. It's a built-in like trigger um, that people just do. Um, Definitely time. This is kind of like a, a tangent, but like popcorn doesn't really have that yet other than like movies. Um, but really when it comes out, like the way we think about it is like how we started was, you know, just like a, whether you're getting together with like friends or family or anytime you're like, our family was getting together, we had a tin of popcorn. Um, so that's kind of the way I want to grow it is like if, if anybody's getting together, um, yeah, there should be a tin of popcorn with you. Um, it's an easy, shareable snack. It's very social. Um, so, I don't know. But anyway, think, that was like a tangent. No, no, I mean, <laughs> do you think it'll grow into that? Like, do you think it's it's kind of, like you said, donuts are now taking this sort of hipster hold. Yeah. And ice creams are just like classic. And then popcorn is like very known in the movie, you know, obviously. That, yeah. But then in this sort of gourmet or sort of like an all-around snack. Yeah. It... I think, I think it'll grow. Um, it has been growing. Um, but at the same time, it's so classic that, um, you know, popcorn's been around forever, like legitimately 5,000 years. Um, so it's kind of, it's very Americana. Um, so I don't know. It's, I don't, it's not like a fad. Like ice cream's not a fad. Um, Cupcakes are kind of like a fad. Probably don't want to add that in because like Cupcake Charlie's might come <laughs> after us. Um, like Little Miss Cupcakes back right. here. But like cupcakes are like a fad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see popcorn as a fad really. It has, it has lasting power. Right. Um, so we're just kind of, you know, doing something fun with it really. Um, yeah. Okay. So can you kind of now talk a little bit, shifting gears, about you grew up on Cape, like Cape's your home. Um, I'm sure you have like a intense fondness for it. Leaving, going to Boston, doing that whole thing, building like a real career, going to school and everything, and now coming back to here, how does that feel or how does, you know, <laughs> how is that whole process for you? Yeah, um, it's not something I expected to do. Um, so yeah, I grew up right in Sandwich. Um, and yeah, growing up on the Cape's awesome. Um, you know, the summer's great. But there is some, some downtime um, in the winter. And the winters are kind of, you know, can get kind of tough to go through. But, you know, it's cold everywhere in the Northeast, so that's kind of nothing new. Um, 
but yeah, so I lived in Boston for five years of college and four years um, professionally. Um, and I liked it. I, I thought I was going to really live in Boston or the Boston area um, for a long time. Um, but once this, once this sort of started taking off, I, you know, it was kind of like this, this would be perfect for the Cape. Um, we hit a crossroads, my wife and I hit a crossroads where it's like, as far as the housing market up in Boston, it was, um, we pretty much had no chance of buying anything in the, in Boston proper. Um, so it was kind of like, you know, I can, I can buy a house, you know, an hour and a half commute away, um, and commute three hours a day and hate my life, or I can, you know, try and start this popcorn thing and um, just kind of like go for a more simpler life um, than what what my trajectory was going to. Um, so yeah, that was, that was definitely a driving force is kind of going back to the Cape, um, kind of like, you know, calming down a little bit. Um, I think I'm lucky, whereas I didn't, I wasn't leaving a, an area of my life or I wasn't leaving um, that part of my life like in a bad place. I still liked what I was doing. I still, I loved what I was doing. I loved what I was, where I was living, um, which is good because, you know, when, once you start hating things or, you know, getting annoyed with things, um, whether it's where you work or where you live, um, you know, that's not good for anybody. So um, I think I was lucky, you know, it was, it was a bittersweet moment of leaving my job and leaving where we were living. Um, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. But coming back to the Cape was was very, um, it was interesting. It's weird. You, you come back with a whole different perspective. When you grow up here, you kind of, like, this was it. This is everyone you've met. Um, and you know, can get very like small towny. The Cape is just a big small town. Everybody knows somebody who knows somebody. Um, so it was nice kind of being out of that for about 10 years and um, kind of seeing how other people live, other um, cultures, things like that. Um, so, yeah. Can you go back, you said something like you wanted to kind of change your gears and go and you said simpler. Yeah. I think that's an interesting idea because I think we're in this day and age where you know everybody wants to achieve so much and be great, and there's always all those options out there. But when sometimes you, you get caught, people get caught up in that, yeah. which is you kind of found something that is simple, and I'm sure you're finding out it's not like no, <laughs> at all. no, no, but, not at all. And it's it's weird. I don't want to say it's kind of why I brought up those Granger girls is that they they didn't like settling is a bad word, but you found something yeah. you gravitated towards, and you just embraced that, not thinking about you know, is it the right decision? And like, you know, you went to school for architecture. Yeah. And the idea of taking that education and not throwing it away, but not utilizing it in the traditional sense. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, um, what was the question of that? I don't know, yeah, it was, I mean, it's just like, I think like the, <laughs> the concept itself is Well, like, I had something and then I, yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I had something. With you committing to that and like, I guess the idea of almost just like taking what you did the last 10 years Yep. Putting that somewhat aside, and of course you've said it kind of applied to this job, but that sort of feeling of changing completely 
into that? Yeah, I think um, the whole idea of like a simpler life. Um, you know, where I was working, it was it, it's a really good architecture firm. Um, we actually won firm of the year in 2018. Um, so it, it's it's top-level capital A architecture of what I could ever do. I never thought I would be in a position actually designing buildings um, that we were designing. Um, so I really liked that part of it. Um, but it came with a lot of like corporate baggage and um, politic-type baggage, both internal and external. Um, you know, we could lose a project because, you know, taxes um, kind of lost funding for the project or anything like that for a public job. Um, and, you know, three, three, four months of work just kind of fall apart. Um, that was frustrating about it. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's just a lot that goes into it. As far, so when the popcorn, you think of like, you know, why would I leave, why would I give up being an architect to pop popcorn? Um, it was something that sounds like hard to, to like struggle with, but um, I don't know. I just kind of like tore up my cool card. I feel like everybody's got a cool card and um, kind of puts on a facade of like, you know, they want to be their LinkedIn profile basically. And yeah, I do this and my, everyone likes a title and you know, I'm the vice president of such and such. And um, you know, it's, it, titles never really meant like a ton to me of like, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm not in, you know, like totally enjoying and like embracing what I was doing, um, you know, it was tough for me to be like kind of happy with that. So I was happy with what I was doing. Um, it was really, it, I, it just felt kind of sterile. Um, you know, I would kind of click away on a computer and work on a team and then a building would get built years down the line. Um, and there was no like direct engagement, whether it was with clients, um, people using the building or anything like that, just actually seeing like my effort be, um, utilized really. Um, I don't know if utilized is the right word, but like seeing my effort be like seeing the direct impact of my efforts basically. Um, so when this whole thing kind of started, the popcorn idea kind of started, it was, it was really important for us to kind of embed ourselves into the community because um, that was something I was looking for. It was just a very community-based, um, you know, we see the direct efforts of, of what we're doing, um, whether that's a little kid coming into the store and saying, wow, look at all these different flavors. This is really cool. Um, that's cool. Me sitting back here popping popcorn and, and flavoring it and then being able to give that directly to him, that's cool. Um, another way is, you know, we donate 5% of our proceeds to, to different charities on the Cape. Um, so that's another direct thing. We physically hand people checks of, of money. Um, and it, our efforts are directly impacting, um, things in the community. So that was pretty much like the one thing that I was looking for. Um, and, and I didn't think, yeah, I didn't think popcorn was going to be it, but it has been so. And how's just working on the Cape now, and not not just working on the Cape, but you are literally a bit you own the business. That's yeah. Part of the Cape and working with the towns and the communities and whatever. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's um. It's kind of what I expected. 
um, you know, growing on, up on the Cape, again, it, it, the Cape is a, a big, small town. Um, so that's kind of what I expected going into it. And I was hoping I wasn't going to get disappointed of, you know, um, I don't know, just things being, like, being different, feeling different than that. Um, but if anything, it's been, like, way, way more smaller of a town than I even expected. Um, we've, able, we've been able to pretty much get our message across or voice across to a lot of different people. We still have a lot to go of just people on the Cape who haven't heard of us. But there's a lot of people who have who have heard of us and have, have had our popcorn. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Our word is kind of spreading faster than I actually thought in our seven months of business. And uh, so, another, actually, I'm just going to double record this. Yeah. How's it sounding, Mom? Bad? No. I'm fumbling through all of it. No, I love it. I don't know what else to, to say. Sometimes I feel like I'm kind of getting caught up because I, I love the concepts that you're bringing up too. You know, the idea of, and if we could talk about it right now, like the sort of the, the cool card or the, the facade that people want to project out there and yeah. kind of letting go of that and to do something else. And it's almost like it, it like now you own your own business on the Cape. And you had a great like first year going into your second year and you're already having like promises to kind of grow and expand. And so I kind of want you to, if you could like speak on that a little bit more about like kind of letting go of this sort of idealistic career field for some yeah. this year. Um, I know you kind of talked about it a lot. Yeah, like, no, so. It, yeah, and again, that the taking the risk, you know, people yeah. always need to do that. But it, I mean, now it looks like it's like, oh, it's like an easy idea, you know, you have a successful business before right. that, before you had all this. <laughs> yeah. Taking that leap of faith. Yeah. Um, yeah, what was I going to say as far as like leap of faith? It was. I don't know. I don't know how to. There's a lot of planning went into this. I right. I think it almost sounds like it's like, oh, we had fun doing it, and now it's like off the cuff. Dan is super meticulous about everything. What we, I remember you saying is like just for a year, you were just like working at your other job. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I spent um, a year working, um, you know, up in Boston at the architecture firm and pretty much moonlighting as planning a, a popcorn business. Um, so I, would, I, I knew I needed to um, read a lot, read a lot of different business books um, and, you know, basically stand on the shoulder of giants of people who've actually have, you know, quit their job and started a business. Um, so I read a lot of books, um, listened to a lot of different podcasts, um, and just tried to kind of like totally immerse myself into what it's going to be like to own a business because it's very different, you know, basically going from financial security of going to a job nine to five, getting a paycheck and, you know, spending that paycheck and then getting another paycheck and spending that paycheck. Um, so I was going, you know, more from financial security to financial freedom, hopefully at the end of all this. Um, so it's, it's really a, a mindset that I knew kind of had to change. And it's, you know, it's not like I've totally made that change yet either. Um, it's constantly a work in progress. Um, but yeah, I basically took, we 
I put a plan in place um, January 2017 um, and said by January 2018, um, I want to be in, in a space starting this thing, um, a space on Cape Cod starting this thing. Um, so in that year, like I said, I read a lot, um, designed our logo, designed the name, um, designed what the shop would look like. I, I did a bunch of different plans for a lot of different um, shops in the area, a lot of different spaces in the area, um, and said, okay, if we were in this space, what would it look like? If we were in this space, what would it look like? Um, so that's one thing that the architecture degree really helped with, um, where I kind of was able to give myself like a, an image of what it can be um, really quickly. So, you know, if I, if I didn't have that knowledge and I had to, um, you know, kind of go into a space, I don't, I don't know like how my brain would have, would have really thought about it. I would have said, okay, yeah, maybe this can go here, this can go here, but I would literally just go home and just draw up different plans of what, what they could be. Um, and then model them in the computer and then say, okay, this is, this is like what I'm striving towards. Um, so it's good to kind of have that like between the logo that we had and the image of the shop, it kind of gave like a, okay, there's light at the end of the tunnel rather than just kind of, you know, going through the jungle with a machete, you know? It was like, okay, we have like a little bit of a path of like what we're trying to get to. Um, That's really cool that you like at least got to apply you know, stuff yeah. you learn, and it's almost like, could you have done this without that? And it's obviously, it's a hypothetical. But yeah, I, I, I would have been a lot more nervous um, about tackling this thing, because um, I, I probably would have had to hire an architect or um, a builder to go into this. You know, we had a lot of help with, um, like, a contractor that, that helped us um, with the building side of it, but as far as just design work, um, I probably would have had to hire an architect just to kind of know what was going on. Um, and it would have been, it would have been really stressful to kind of nail down like what space was actually the right space for us. Um, and you know, as thing, once we even settled on a space, once we got in, I kind of was able to take pictures, measurements and things like that. Um, and dealing with the town of, you know, they need plans of everything and all the inspections and health inspectors and things like that. So the, ch the plan is changing hourly almost. Um, so it would have been really stressful for me to be working like with an architect or a builder and saying, oh, you know, get on the phone and hey, this needs to change. Um, you know, I was able to quickly just mock that up and then kind of keep rolling with things. Um, yeah, as far as like the planning goes um, for the year that we used to plan, um, yeah, like I said, read a lot of books, kind of just tried to like do whatever I can to just shift my mindset into being a business owner while still going to work nine to five every day. Um, and a lot of it was just, um, you know, I can't take much credit for a lot of these thoughts. It was really just me reading as much as I can and then just kind of like, you know, like brainwashing myself into, into doing this. Um, and I hit a point, you know, pretty much like right away where I, I saw the vision, I saw 
what it can be. Um, and if I didn't do it, if I, there was no like plan B really. Because um, if I didn't do it, I would never, I, I would drive myself insane. I would lose my mind by just always saying like, what, why didn't I do that? Um, so it was really just, it, I didn't even have a choice like at the end of it, whether I didn't want to quit my job or not, like even a few months into the planning process, it was just like, okay, this is what's going to happen. It's almost like just kind of like skiing down a mountain where it's like, once you're going down the mountain, you're going to go, you're going to go to the bottom of the mountain. Um, you can't just stop and walk back up the mountain, you know? Um, so it really wasn't even a choice by the end of it. So you kind of just kept building and building. Yeah. Yeah, so I, one of the, the first books I read, um, well, one of the podcasts that was super helpful for me was um, my cousin actually out in Seattle has, a, has his own um, small little podcast with a couple of his friends. Um, and one of the friends on the podcast actually hooked me up to um, a book called The Slight Edge. Um, and it's all about just doing little things daily um, that'll slowly compound and build into something um, huge. So, you know, it's like the classic saying of an overnight success was a year in the making, basically. Um, not to say we're an overnight success at all, but like, you know, any type of success is really, because people have been working a long time at it. Um, so that's the, pretty much the first book I kind of read um, to start this whole thing and said, you know, I need to kind of just do little things every single day to kind of just keep pushing towards it. Because, I don't know, I, like anybody else, I can kind of get in a rut where it's like, whatever, I'll, you know, procrastinate that, I'll, I'll get to that later, but it's like, no, you gotta plan a freaking business. Um, so, I, I got in the rhythm of, I would wake up around um, like 5.30 every morning um, and go through like meditation rituals. Um, rituals sounds like a bad term, but like go through like a meditation period, um, write down like goals for the day, um, things I'm grateful for, things like that. And then just spend the next about an hour and a half every morning um, doing something with the business. Uh, whether that was tweaking the plans or um, reading another business book, um, some more pages in that, um, or, you know, anything, wor working at recipes or something. Um, and I wanted to do that in the morning. So pretty much that whole year of planning, it was a lot of the planning side of it was just done in the morning before I went to work. Because um, then I would just get on my bike and go to work. Um, stay at work until like six or seven and then come home. Um, and I was noticing the kind of early on before I was doing this that, you know, w getting up at like eight, getting to work, coming home at like six or seven, like you got nothing left in you where it's like, I'm just going to kind of veg out and watch Netflix. Um, so I was kind of getting into that rut and I could see that. I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to get anywhere if I'm just planning this like on the weekends or anything like that. Right. So I was like, I need to like get up early, um, get into like this just habit of, of working at it in the morning. Um, 
yeah, that's what I did was just kind of, you know, carve out time in the morning to just kind of like plan it out. And yeah, you're a lot more productive in the morning for sure. I mean, that's something that you would never find out if you walk into this business knowing that you yeah. to dedicate so much time, you know, in finagle around working a full-time job and yeah. still make this all happen. Because like you said, it's never an overnight. Every yeah. It's like a year in the making. Yeah, no, I think people, people kind of come into the shop and um, they go, oh, yeah, this looks really nice. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, it was, it was a long time coming. Um, a lot of times people ask me to see the owner, yeah. um, ask to talk to the owner. I'm like, oh, that's me. Um, a lot of people, you know, is I was, you know, during all this planning, I was about like 27, uh, just turned 29 now. Um, so I think a lot of people, oh, hang on. Yeah, let me just see. Do you have the phone over there, Mom? Oh, it's a. No, it's. Yeah, telemarketers. When your number is online, that was the other thing. So like I, I started the website like, um, like in December before we started, and my like my cell phone number was tied to like the domain name from like GoDaddy. Yeah. So like the first month I was getting like calls like nonstop. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's so annoying. It's terrible. Um. Yeah, I forget where I was. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've talked, because I'm just, I love the whole like, concept and behind it and coming back and doing this all. But I guess just about the business in general. Like, so you guys sell popcorn, you want to talk about the process of making it and, you know, the flavors you got? Like, yeah, so we, we um, make and sell gourmet popcorn. Um, we have about 13 different flavors. Um, our most popular is sea salt caramel. Um, but then after that, of the 12 other flavors, everything sells almost exactly even, um, which is good and bad. Uh, it's good because, you know, everyone has something they like. Um, bad because, like, you know, if I want to bring out a new flavor, I'm going to be taking down something that someone really likes. Um, you know, I, we kind of went into this mindset, um, the business, as I don't want to just throw a bunch of different flavors at people um, and just kind of overwhelm them. Um, and a lot of that goes back to the theory of paradox of choice was one of the early theories um, I was kind of interested in of like starting a business. Um, so I don't know if like if that's going to be interesting at all. No, I mean, that's kind of like what I feel like with the people in our generation that like the, you get that paralysis and there's so many things you could be doing. Yeah. 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 So the, the theory of paradox of choice is, um, it sounds like super lofty and self-righteous of me even like saying any of it, but the theory is that, um, the more options you have, the less likely you are to be, um, happy with what you chose. Cause you're always going to be thinking, Oh man, well, what if I got that option? Well, what if I got that option? Um, so when you go into a lot of these, a lot of different places, whether it's ice cream or popcorn or anything, if they just throw a ton of different flavors at you, um, you're always going to walk out being like, yeah, this is good, but what about that? I like, I wish I at least tried that, or I wish, wish I got that. 
Um, and there's a lot of successful business that just kind of do a few things and like food trucks, um, just kind of do a, a few things, whether it's, I'm going to either get, I'm going to go to a taco truck and I'm either going to get a taco or a burrito basically. Um, I'm more likely to leave that place happy because I got the tacos. I like tacos. Um, and I didn't want a burrito. So, you know, but if they had tacos, burritos, enchiladas, nachos, like all these different options, um, then you kind of say, oh man, well, I wish I kind of got that. So it's kind of this like um, mindset that is kind of ever present in everything, especially with social media nowadays, with Facebook, like we see like what everybody's doing, um, what everybody looks like now, whatever. So it's like um, the whole theory of like paradox of choice, if you kind of like just simplify everything and dumb it down into um, fewer options, you're more likely to be happier. Um, so anyway, I subscribe to that theory because, you know, I, every time I leave like the Cheesecake Factory, I'm like, yeah, this is good, but like what, what did the orange chicken taste like? I kind of wish I got the orange chicken. So you leave a little bit less happy. Um, so I knew we wanted to keep it to like a dozen or so flavors. Um, we've tried, you know, a ton of different flavors, probably like 40 or 50 different flavors. And some of them stink. It's like some of them just didn't taste good. So why would I bring that up and have people try it? You know, like there might be some people walk in like, oh yeah, this actually tastes pretty good. But I didn't think it tasted good. So why would I want to sell it? Um, so I always wanted to kind of keep it to like a dozen different flavors that were really good, um, that I liked, um, a good array of whether it's savory or sweet, anything on that spectrum. Um, so if I ever bring out anything, I'm most likely gonna take something down, at least for a little bit. Um, so we have a couple different seasonal flavors, um, like the peppermint came in um, around Christmas time and we took down birthday cake. Um, pumpkin spice came in around the fall time um, and we took down cinnamon toast. Um, so sort of things like, you know, when something comes up, something should come down. That's kind of what I want it to be. It's like a craft brewery almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you almost have like certain ones on tap. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, how, how about the experimenting process? And you said you made like 40 to 50 flavors. How does that like, uh, you just have an idea and you just go for it and make a batch and see how it works? Yeah, I mean, it, it can be anything. Popcorn's a, a blank canvas, basically. Um, and you can flavor it however you want. Um, you can make it sweet, cool. You can make it savory, cool. Um, or anything on that spectrum, really. Um, so yeah, as far as like experimenting, we'll kind of just come up with spices or things that we think taste pretty good. Um, and we'll say, okay, well what, like how can we like popcornify that? Um, you know, what should that taste like? How can we do that? Cause it can't be, you know, you can use like oils and seasonings and stuff like that. Um, can't really use like liquids um, that will kind of just like sog out popcorn. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a whole process of, you know, us just kind of like testing out stuff and like buffalo. I really thought buffalo was gonna be good and we tried like, we tried a couple different times with it and it didn't taste good. Um, Weird, cause that, yeah, that seems like it would make sense. Yeah, 
Um, so I don't know. I'm not going to like give up on it yet because I think it, it still is possible. Um, but that was one. The first peppermint we tried was a complete disaster. Um, inedible. Um, so yeah, we've tried a bunch that like just failed, like did not taste good. Um, and then kind of kept at it and was like, okay, got to a place that it, it worked really well. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of trial and error with the flavors. And then, so what about your, just like now, I mean, you've been doing it for, you know, years now, but like, what's your just personal take on popcorn? Like, do you still like love it all the time? Or is it yeah, like, you're I really mean, around it? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I still eat at least a handful every day. Um, you know, if I kind of miss breakfast or lunch or something, I'll just kind of grab a handful and um, grab a cup and eat it throughout the day. Um, like I said, we have so many, like such a range of different flavors that it's hard to kind of like pick my favorite of whatever it is. I like them all. Um, so it's really kind of whatever mood I'm in for. If I want something sweet, then I'll do that. Um, you know, maybe like a cookies and cream or birthday cake. If I'm more on like something like a salty snack, I'll go, um, our lightly salted sounds boring, but that one's, that one actually might be my favorite. Um, sea salt caramel is always good. So, um, yeah, I don't really have a favorite. It's really just kind of whatever mood I'm in. Cool. So, yeah. Um, and then just to kind of wrap this all up, can you talk about just like your, Right now, like you've had years of planning, you've done this before as a hobby, you're planning the whole business, and now you have it. And just, you know, when you see, you know, especially during the summertime when it's bustling through here, like that feeling that you get to see how it all just kind of Yeah. And obviously it's still a work in progress and you're changing things. And, but, but. Yeah, so we, um, you know, me, my parents, and my wife kind of built out the whole store. Um, and we passed all the inspections and did all that. And then... We opened the door the next day and we said, oh, shoot, now we actually have to run this place. Um, and yeah, we flipped the sign over to open and people actually came in, um, which was just absolutely like mind blowing when it was first happening of actually like people walking into the shop and like trying the popcorn that you've been making for you know, the last few years. Um, and then buying it was like, it was just mind blowing. Um, and yeah, it was crazy. I don't know where I was going with it, but um, yeah, what was the rest of the question? Just like, yeah, just kind of like that, just that feeling that you get and that, you know, on the first day, it must've been awesome and just continuing, you know, your right. online sales, your people, you know, you're here for another year, you know, I feel like in that itself is a success that yeah. you're making it. Yeah, so I mean the the feeling it, it was very much um, like right off the bat and pretty much for the whole summer was um, you know like a a dream sounds like too cliche and kind of like vague but like it was like borderline like an out of body experience of like <laughs> actually like watching people come in the shop um, and you know in the summer we were open ten to ten um, every day so it was pretty much I'd come in stay for about like 15 hours and then go home sleep and then just do that for you know pretty much the whole summer um so it was a lot of just like like wow i can't believe people are still coming in um you know the first like few days it was a lot of like friends and family um just kind of like showing support things like that and i was like okay yep this is cool kind of what i expected but then when it 
that like sort of tailed off and then the rest of just like people on vacation or people in the community who never heard of us and just looked in or tried to sample outside and said, oh yeah, I'll check them out. Um, that was more just like the, holy smoke, this is actually like working. Right, so the whole next level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so far so good. It, it's been, we're about like seven months in. Um, we we knew going into it the success of it was going to be what happens in the off season um so we're starting to tackle like fundraisers in schools um we have an online store that we ship out from um so christmas time things like that um so yeah we're we're staying busy for sure we do weddings and functions and things like that and corporate gifts um so the in-store experience in-store sales things like that um, was really just kind of one arm of what our business is. Um, and, you know, the off-season is kind of just tackling a lot of the other three or four arms that we're looking for. Cool. And then yeah. you're probably super excited for the uh, incoming summer, right? Yeah, so summer's, summer's coming up. We're um, upgrading the shop a bit, um, getting production level up some more. Um, um, so we're just kind of just making more at one time. Um, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, the first season kind of felt like, okay, did my mic fall? Oh, I think it just fell, yeah. I don't know if you can kind of read. Yeah. No, it works. I can't tell where the... There we go. Back on? Yep, sounds good. Um... Yes, yeah, so we, the kind of what I saw the first season, first year as, is kind of, um, you know, let's get like a, a base, base in place, um, get a foothold in the community, um, into kind of what we're doing, um, just take a first stab at it basically, because um, never done this before. Um, so now this year two is a lot of just refining it um, and just making processes more efficient um, put systems in place, um, you know, make it easier for staffing, things like that. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Smith Family Popcorn is running strong with the prospect of opening up another facility in Mashpee for this incoming summer. Blindside is a sandwich community TV podcast. Subscribe to us on your favorite platform or visit us directly at www.sandwichcommunitytv.org so you can stay up to date with all the newest content. Thanks for listening.